0: If you have your Bibles today, and you would, find with me the 15th chapter of 1 Samuel. We are continuing our verse-by-verse study through 1 Samuel, and I have a couple cards and something I'd like to share with you this morning, and uh, the first card is from uh, Brenda Langford, and she wants to thank you for the beautiful flowers and the visit Uh, While she was in the hospital in Evansville and had surgery and was recovering, I have another card from a family here today that uh, some individuals from church, Uh, we went out and built a wheelchair uh, ramp for this family, it says spank, spank, special thanks to the work, it doesn't say that, that's my fault by the way, special thank you to the work crew, the song angels among us must have been written for all of you. You will never know how much we appreciate what you did for us. And that is from Bob and Jewel Wilson. And the third one is a certificate of appreciation from the Baptist Children's Home and Family Service services, excuse me, in recognition for dedicated support and sacrificial giving to the Baptist Children's Home and Family Service. Ten mile ranked number nine in all of the state in giving to the Baptist Children's Home. I read those because many times it is easy to just show up on Sunday and leave and think this is it. But uh, the church is trying to be there for those that are sick and hurting. The Bible is trying to be there for those that are physically struggling and able to maybe get around like they used to. And giving to things like the Baptist Children's Home that is pro-life, that comes alongside young families, works with adoption. And as the church is doing what the church is supposed to be doing. And so I want to encourage you to get involved. To find out where your giving goes to. Where service opportunities are. Because what we do here on Sunday is a vital and important part of what a church is supposed to do. But there is so much more that goes on. And so we want you to be a part of that. And so today is our last sermon in our sermon series The Dangers of Me, Myself and I. And the subtitle today is Make a Choice. Make a Choice. We have been looking through 1 Samuel 15 and 1 Samuel 14 about all of these things. And we looked at the beginning of chapter 15 about how God told Saul to lead the children of Israel into battle and to totally wipe out the Amalekites. Uh, He went to battle, but he did not do that. And so we looked at how partial obedience is total disobedience. And then last week we looked at how when Samuel came to Saul and asked him why he had done what he did, he said, I did what God told me to. And then he lied about it, and then he blamed others. And we looked at how the slippery slope from where God wants you to be To where you are is starting by lying to yourself, blaming others for your faults and excuses. And so last week's title was No More Excuses. And today we're going to be looking at how this story has finished up. Samuel has went to Saul. He told him, what did you do? Saul says, I didn't do nothing wrong. He says, I know what you did. And he still does what? Lies and blames others. And so now today we see that God gives his final judgment on Samuel. And today I want you to know that this sermon is not easy for any of us because all of us struggle with this. We all struggle with when God finally speaks to us, especially if it is in a corrective manner. No one likes to be corrected. It doesn't matter if you're a two-year-old, I just got done. Uh, working in the nursery during Sunday school with my wife because we had a full house. And and I don't like working in the nursery, but I'm thankful that we have a full house full of nursery kids. And my child has a very big problem if anyone is being held by their mother other than her. And so she did everything she could to try to get a kid out of my wife's lap. And so I had to tell her, no you know uh don't do that right don't hit kids with the plastic pieces of bacon please all right it is not meant to be a weapon of destruction it is meant to be a gift of god for joy okay but uh but even at that age guess what she did when i told her no she cried she threw a web fit right so now it's a gray fit i'm kidding But she was not happy. And as an adult, it's not easy to be corrected in marriage by a spouse at all. It's not easy to be corrected at work. And so today I want you to know that, that this is not easy for any of us. But you have a choice to make. To listen to God, regardless of how hard it is, and to experience what God wants for you, or to reject that for you and your family. And so we've got a lot to get through today. So we're going to pray and jump right in. Father, I thank you so very, very much for who you are. And Lord, I pray that you would just guide your messenger today. Lord, I pray that your spirit would take your word and deal with your people. Father, that you would correct, that you would guide, that you would lead, that you would encourage whatever is necessary, Lord, for us to be the people that you want us to be. And Father, I ask for forgiveness for anything in my life that would hinder what you're wanting to do here today. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you're taking notes and I, I hope that you will, we're going to jump right in. And the first thing I want to show you is that God wants us to obey Him with humility. God wants us to obey Him with humility. Look here in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22, as Samuel says what God has told him, About Saul, so Samuel said, "Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry." Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. Anytime a pastor says stubborn from the pulpit, it is probably the most awkward time for a congregation. Because everyone immediately starts to think, oh, I live with someone that's stubborn. But everything in them says, don't let them know that I think they're stubborn. And so this idea of rebellion and stubbornness is really meant here in a spiritual sense toward God. That what you've tried to do is you wouldn't obey me, but you thought that you could buy my favor, right? I kept these sacrifices to offer them to you, God. And what Samuel says is God is not some false deity that you can offer a little stuff on an altar and God will bless you. He says, you've got to make a choice today to obey God. God wants our obedience. Now that is very hard for us because we know that we are what? Sinners. Saved by the grace of God. But the Bible teaches us that God is holy and so His people are to be holy. So how do we reconcile this idea of sinners who struggle? who falls short, and the idea that God expects and wants His people to be obedient. It starts with your heart. How many of you have ever made this statement? I know I shouldn't do that, but I will ask forgiveness later. Or it's easy to ask forgiveness rather than permission. And friends, when that becomes the attitude that you have, you are not worried about what God wants. God knows that you are going to sin, God knows that you are going to struggle. And that is why He sent Jesus Christ to die upon the cross, to be buried, and to rise again so that our sins are covered. And when us who love God and the Spirit of God lives within us, when we stumble, then we can humbly come to God and ask forgiveness. But I want you to know this, that obedience in our minds almost always has a negative connotation. Right? I have to obey the speed limit. I have to wear my seatbelt. I have to pay my taxes. It, It always seems like a negative, right? I gotta be at work at a certain time. I gotta listen at school. I gotta obey my parents, right? It's this idea of being negative. And the Bible is clear that obedience does keep us from the judgment of God. But also, I want to show you this morning that God wants you to be obedient because many of the blessings that God gives you comes after you and I are obedient. One of my favorite characters in the Old Testament is the na- man die the name of Naaman. And it's not really because he was godly, it's just because I like the kid song that came from it, right? Oh, Naaman went down to the river and... Okay, at least two people know that song, right? And it goes on and on and on. But I want you to hear this today because I want you to know that when God gives us instruction, when God asks us... To obey him. Many times it is because obedience is the avenue that God uses to bless his people. Look what it says in 2 Kings chapter 5 starting in verse 9. Then Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. Now think about this. A man with leprosy, no known cure outside of the miracle of God, hears about a man who is the prophet of God, who has the power of God, and he goes and he gets told this is what to do. Now listen to his response in verse 11. But Naaman became furious. Furious. And went away and said, Indeed, I said to myself, He will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. You see, today I want to stop right there because that's how most of us treat God. We want God to fix every problem that we have and it costs us nothing. But most of the time, how God wants to work in your life is through obedience. Most of us pray for God to do things miraculously that He has already told us to do practically. The Bible says that some things can only be accomplished through prayer and fasting. And my challenge to you this morning is how many of you Pray and fast. How many of you are praying for financial freedom, but yet the Bible says that the borrower is slave to the lender, but every time you go through Walmart, you spend $10,000? Right? You're praying for God to give you a financial blessing when He's already told you in His Word it takes self-control. Many of you are praying that God would do a miraculous work in your marriage when truly what God has told you to do is forgive one another, talk to each other, and learn to love and forgive. But you say, God, if you don't change her, if you don't change him, God, if you don't do a miraculous work, when really God's Word has already said what to do. How many times do I hear this? Pastor, I don't know how it is possible to raise godly children in a world that we're living in today. that's this book. It is teaching them this book. This word tells you how to be the godly parent that God wants you to be. And so this morning I want to challenge you. That many of you today are facing trials and tribulations and struggles. And you're praying for God to do great things. And some of those times it is the case. But many other times God has already said. I've given you what you need in this book. The Spirit of God has told you just to obey. How many heartaches, how many struggles, how many painful situations do we find ourselves in because the Bible tells us something, but yet we would rather not? You see, I think this is the greatest problem in the church today. Everyone wants to read books about the Bible, but no one wants to read the Bible. Everyone wants to listen to lectures about the Bible instead of just listen to the Bible this book God promised through the power of the Holy Spirit would never return void it would be meat and potatoes food for your soul and what God says to hear through Samuel is, I want your obedience. I want your love. I don't care about the sacrifices. The sacrifices are important. They matter. But never use your service and sacrifice to God as a substitute for your love and obedience. Well, I went to church Sunday morning. I checked that off the list and suffered through that sermon. I can do what I want. God's pleased with me now. I took my kids to church. I don't have to love God and live that way before them. You see, most of us get furious when God expects us to do the things that he's told us. Look what it goes on and says here about Naaman. In verse 12, Are not the Abana and the Perfar the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? He gets angry with God. And then he says, well, my, the rivers in Damascus are cleaner than this nasty one here at the Jordan. I don't need that river. There's good water. So he turned and went away in rage. And his servants came near and spoke to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more when, you, when he says to you, wash and be clean so he went down and dipped seven times in the Jordan according to the saying of the man of God and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child and he was clean. Can you imagine being a grown man having this incurable disease and some guy said I want you to go down to the pretty much the dirtiest river in all of Israel and I want you to dip seven times. You're all like oh I'd be so happy I'd just run right down there and jump in. No you wouldn't. You'd think the same thing. And then imagine, you'd go to get in the water and everybody'd be watching. You'd be going down once. You'd come up. You'd get down twice. People'd be fishing on a bank going, What's that weirdo doing down there? Down, right? Down. But then eventually, when he came up after doing what God had told him through Elisha, he was made clean. Friends, many of us, the problems in our spiritual life are just because we won't do. The little things that God has told us to do. We won't allow God to change us. Right? We hold on to our excuses and our situations. But what God wants is for us to obey Him with humility. That means when God says forgive, I have to forgive. When God says love, I have to love. When God says sacrifice, I need to sacrifice. When God says I need to be humble and gentle and kind, that's what I need to do. The Spirit of God working in me and in you wants that for you. Second thing I want to show you is God wants us to repent with sincerity. God wants us to repent with sincerity, because usually after a point like the first one, everyone is like, well, Jake, things are just so bad. Things are just so messed up at our home. I'm just such a broken mess in my walk with God. God gives us hope. Because listen to here what verse 24 says, starting in chapter 15. It says, Then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned, for I transgressed the commandment of the Lord, and your words... Because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. He once again is blaming someone else. Now therefore, please pardon my sin and return with me that I may worship the Lord. But Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with you. You have rejected the word of the Lord and the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. And as Samuel turned around to go away, Saul seized the edge of his robe and it tore. So Samuel said to him, The Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to a neighbor of yours who is better than you. And also the strength of Israel will not lie nor relent, for he is not a man that he should relent. Then he said, I have sinned, and I want to stop right there. Because many times we get in this idea that as long as we say something, then that's what we mean. And friends, I want you to know that you and I can all say one thing, and our hearts mean something else. And what happens is, when we read this, Saul says, I've sinned, I'm sorry, Uh, come worship with me. And you say, well, why wouldn't Samuel go? He said the right things. He prayed the right prayer. Because friends, however it happened, Samuel knew that Saul was not truly repentant. He was just saying what he thought Samuel wanted him to say. And many people will come to an altar and will pray a prayer because they think that's what their mom wants, that's what their dad wants what their pastor wants, what their their wife wants. And friends, I want you to hear this this morning. If you do not believe it in your heart and mean it, friends, the words that you repeat mean nothing. There will be people who will stand before God one day and hear, depart from me, I never knew you, that publicly were baptized, that publicly joined a church because what they did on the outside did not reflect what was on the inside of their heart. That's why the Bible says when you are saved, God gives you a new heart, makes you a new creation, that you are born again. It's not an external thing. It is an internal thing. And I want to show you here in verse 30 the difference between sincerely repenting and repenting just for show. Then he said, I have sinned. What's that next word? Yet, you could, you could substitute but, or it, it's not this and, right? I have sinned and. I have sinned yet. Honor me now. Please, before the elders of my people and before Israel, and return with me that I may worship the Lord your God. You see, Saul didn't care anything about God. He cared about what other people thought about his relationship with God. And friends, there are people sitting on these chairs today that have got unforgiveness toward God, unforgiveness toward other people. Maybe you've been a church member for 40 years, but if honestly tonight, if you took your last breath, you do not know where you would spend eternity. Because you just don't know. And friends, I want you to see this today because look, you can be right with me and wrong with God and it will get you nothing. You can be right with your Sunday school teacher and wrong with God and it will get you nothing. But friends, you must be right with Him. You must be right with God. You must care about what He wants more than anything. And so I... uh, as you can probably tell today, there is something a little different about me. Yesterday, I had decided before we went swimming that, uh, and then went outside that I would shave my beard because it was ugly looking, right? And, and if you've ever went outside all day with a beard before you trim it, then when you trim it, you've got a face that looks white right here. And so anyway, I started trimming and my hand slipped. And I ended up cutting off one side of my mustache. And so it was either look like Adolf Hitler or go like this, okay? And so I chose this as the appropriate of the two. Uh, I, I should have realized I look like Mitch McConnell with as much chin hanging down uh, or, you know, I've set a world record for the most chins in one house, but um, I shaved it and I was so, I felt so dumb. And I'm like, Lord, whatever it takes, can it miraculously grow back quickly, right? I, I knew that I had made a mistake, But yet the consequences of that mistake are going to last somewhere in the neighborhood of three to four weeks, okay? And that's what we see here with King Saul. He was worried about the consequences of his sin, but he was not worried about the one that he had sinned against. And this morning I want you to hear this. When you and I disobey God, we don't sin against a tablet that contains ten stones or ten commandments. We don't just sin against the book that sits on our coffee table. When we sin against God, we are sinning against Him. Our sin is a direct defilement of His purpose for our life. It's a disobedience toward Him. And so I want to ask you this question this morning, and I want you to think about it. Who on this planet, outside of yourself, can hurt you the worst? The people that you love the most. If you've ever raised your children and they've grown, there's probably a time in your life when they ripped your heart out from you. Right? Maybe it's it's been a church leader. Maybe I've hurt you. Maybe someone else has hurt you. And you know that those relationships hurt the worst. Right? Because you love them. You trust them. You care about them. That's why when there's trouble in marriages, it is so hard. And it's so difficult because that's the people that are supposed to love you the most. That is why there are so many uh, heartbreaking things about child abuse and things like that that go on. Because the people that love you and are supposed to love and protect you are the ones that don't. And it does so much damage. And this is why. Because the person that loves you the most is supposed to care about you. And so when that person hurts you, it it just does something to you. And friends, the person that loves you the most is God. Jesus Christ loved you so much that he died upon a cross for you, that he was buried for you, that he rose again. And so when I sin, my sin affects me absolutely. It has earthly consequences, but yet what it really does is it sins against God. And so today I really want you to think about that in your walk with God, that you're not just breaking a rule like you do when you speed. And so I want you to think about this. Now, I know you all have never been uh, pulled over for speeding or not wearing your seatbelt, but when you get pulled over, the first thought that comes through your mind is, I just really hate that I broke those laws that the legislators in Springfield wrote. I just, I really hope that I don't bother them. And then you probably think, oh, I just feel so bad that that police officer had to get out of his car and, and come up to my window and it's hot outside. I, you know, I'm sure that's the first thing that goes through your mind. If you're honest, it probably is this. I can't believe I got caught and I hope I get a warning. Because most of us are only worried about the consequences of our sin and not the one that we've sinned against. And friends, in your marriage, when you sin against your partner, there are consequences from that. Maybe they don't trust you. Maybe there's going to be an argument. But the greatest danger is the fact that you have sinned against a person. And friends, when it's with God, you are sinning against a God who is perfect. And who is holy and is righteous. And so when people say sin is not a big deal. Sin is not something that should bother you. Sin is something that we should embrace. The reason that we can't is because it is a direct rebellion against the God that we love. The God that we serve. And so today in your walk with God I believe it will do you a great Service. It will help you tremendously if you don't think that your sins are just directed at the Ten Commandments. Your rebellion and your sin is directed right at God. And if I love God, I don't want to rebel against Him. And I believe when you get saved and the Spirit of God comes to live within you, sin will always bother you. It might not bother you as much as it does at some points. You might go through seasons where you've convinced yourself that your sin doesn't bother you but a Christian who has the Spirit of God in them, the sin in your life is going to bother you. You say, Jake, I'm a Christian and my sin doesn't bother me at all. My Friends, I want to caution you because there is a strong chance that you have never been saved because God loves you too much to allow sin to bring consequences into your life. God loves you too much to allow sin to happen and not bother you. You say, well, Jake, what's the right way to respond when there's sin in my life? I'm glad that you asked. I want to show you King David. King David's sin fell short just like Saul did. But yet there was two dramatically different outcomes. And today I want you to hear this. Sin is going to happen. It's going to happen in your marriage. It's going to happen in your church. It's going to happen in your life. The response is what makes the difference. And I want to read you this whole story because I believe the Word of God is more powerful than the opinions of Jacob Gray. But in 2 Samuel chapter 12, after King David has had a husband killed, had adultery with a man's wife, had all this mess, God sends Nathan the prophet to talk to King David. And this is what he says. Then the Lord sent Nathan to David... And he came to him and said to him. So he tells him a story so that King David can respond. There were two men in one city. One rich and the other poor. The rich man had exceedingly many flocks and herds. But the poor man had nothing except one little lamb. Which he had bought and nourished. And it grew up together with him and with his children It ate of his own food and drank of his own cup. Now, I just want to stop right there and say, if you let your dogs lick in your mouth and other animals, I'm more power to you, but that's gross, okay? Drinking out of your cup, this is a whole kind of love that I don't embrace, okay? But it says, and drank from his own cup and lay in his bosom, and it was like a daughter to him. And a traveler came, excuse me, to the rich man who refused to take from his own flock and from his own herb to prepare a wayfaring man who had come to him. But he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. So he says this rich man had all the livestock he could ever want, all the livestock he could ever have, and a traveler came and he was going to prepare him a meal, but he didn't want to kill one of his own animals, so he found the poor man and he took his one little lamb... And killed it. And served it for food. Now listen to what happens. So David's anger was greatly aroused against this man. And he said to Nathan. As the Lord lives. The man who has done this. Shall surely die. And he shall restore fourfold for the lamb. Because he did this thing. And because he had no pity. King David says that man ought to die for what he's done. Who would do a terrible thing like that? And then listen in verse 7. Then Nathan said to David, You are the man. Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I anointed you king over Israel and delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into the keeping. I gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if that had been too little, I would have given you much more. Don't miss this. God doesn't say anything about Uriah. He doesn't say anything about his wife at this point. He says, you have sinned against me. God says, David, I've given you everything you could ever want. I protected you. I made you wealthy. I made you king. And he even says, if that wasn't enough, he says, I'd have given you more. He says, David, I'd have given you anything you Wanted. All you had to do is ask for it. But the one thing you wanted. You shouldn't have had. And I want you to hear this. And there's a purpose to all this. I promise. Why have you despised the commandment. Of the Lord to do evil in his sight. You have killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword. You have taken his wife to be your wife and have killed him with the sword of the people of Ammon. Now therefore, he says, now the consequences, David. Now therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house, because you have despised me. He says, there'll never be a time of real peace in your home. And take, have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife, thus says the Lord. Behold, I will raise up adversity against you from your own house, And I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor. And shall lie with your wives in the sight of the sun. For you did it secretly. But I will do this thing before all Israel before the sun. So David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Now I don't want you to miss that. King Saul fell into sin. King David fell into sin. God sent Samuel to talk to Saul and Saul Blamed it on everybody else. Lied to someone else. God sends Nathan to talk to King David. And what does he say? I have sinned. He didn't blame it on Uriah for having a pretty wife. He didn't blame it on uh, Uriah's wife for being out bathing. King David said, I have done it. I am the sinner. I have made this mistake. I have fallen short. And friends, I want to show you the difference when God's people will repent or when God's people will just say it with their mouth. Because listen to what it goes on to say here in these verses. I have sinned against the Lord, and Nathan said to David, The Lord also has put away your sin, you shall not die. You see, King Saul met a terrible faith on a mountain. The death of his death and his sons. But listen here. However, because by this deed you have given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, The child who is born to you shall surely die. Then Nathan departed to his house. You see, Christian, you need to understand something. The consequences of sin on this earth last long after we want them to. It happens. If I lie to Gary, Gary's going to think I'm a liar the rest of my life most likely. I can spend my whole life trying to prove to him that I'm not, that it was a mistake, and by the grace of God, he can forgive me, learn to love me, and trust me again. But that takes time. Those consequences last. But friends, what I have to be worried about more than anything else is making things right with God. God. God, you forgive me. God, you restore me. God, you do what's right. And in your life, you have to make that commitment. God, I know that you hate the sin in my life. God, I know that you love me. God, I know that you died for me. God, I know that you have a purpose and a plan for my life. God, forgive me. No matter what the earthly consequences are. Did you notice here that King David didn't argue with God? Didn't argue with Nathan? Nathan? He just said, Lord, I have done this and I've brought this into my home. And friends, I want to say this this morning. Many of the problems you are facing today are the consequences of the sin that you have chosen to do. (laughs) Don't hate the messenger. You say, Pastor, I don't understand. My, My kids hate church. We took them every Sunday. We sang in the choir. We, we were in Sunday school. But yet then all the way home, all you did was cuss and swear and drink and lie and cheat. And your kids saw two different people. When they got old enough, they wanted nothing to do with it. That's not always the case. In your marriage, there's struggles, there's difficulties. And this is what you say. Well, she just won't listen, so I'm going to do what I want. And you say, I don't care how much money he makes. I'm going to spend as much money on the credit card as I want. And then you wonder why there's friction at home. And you say, God, give us a miracle. God, give us a, a restoration. And what God says is, you just need to do what I've asked you to do. As a church, we pray that God would do great and mighty things. But there are many things that God has just told us that we are to do. First and foremost, God told us that we should be here to worship together with one another. Then we should give and serve and sacrifice. And then we should go and share the gospel. You say, Jake, we're praying that the Lord does miraculous things. And it's going to take Him doing miraculous things. But there are many things that God tells us to do. And so I want you to know that God wants us to obediently serve Him with humility. God wants us to repent with sincerity. And third and finally, and this is the quick point. God will accomplish his purposes and he cares about us. God will accomplish his purpose and he cares about us. Look what it says here in verse 32. Then Samuel said, Bring Agag, king of the Amalekites, here to me. So Agag came to him cautiously. And Agag said, surely the bitterness of death is past. So King Agag knows that he was probably supposed to die in the original attack. But he thinks, maybe I'm going to get out of this okay. Right? Maybe God doesn't hate me and my people. And it doesn't work out that way. But it says here, but Samuel said, as your sword has made women childless, so shall your mother be childless among women. And Samuel hacked Agag in pieces. Before the Lord in Gilgal. Then Samuel went to Ramah. And Saul went up to his house at Gibeah of Saul. And I want you to hear these two things right here as I close. And Samuel went no more to see Saul until the day of his death. Nevertheless Samuel mourned for Saul. And the Lord regretted that he made Saul king. Over Israel. And we looked that that word does not mean repent like a man means repent. It is this idea that even though God is sovereign and God is in control of everything, God cares about what you're going through. God cares when you hurt. God cares when you fall into sin. God cares when the consequences of your sin are affecting you and the people around you. And today I want you to hear this, but yet even in the brokenness of King Saul, even in the brokenness of all this, God still accomplished his purpose. Samuel was heartbroken. Samuel, it says, mourned and wept for Saul because he loved him and friends you need to know this today people you love are gonna fall into sin people that love you are going to be hurt when you fall into sin your family your marriage your kids it's going to happen it shouldn't happen if we were perfect it wouldn't happen but friends the key to remember this is even in the most broken of situations even when you think you have messed everything up and God couldn't love you and your spouse couldn't love you and your children couldn't love you And your neighbor couldn't love you. God says, I am working it all out. I have a purpose and a plan for your life. And friends, you just have to remember that you have to come to Him. Come to Him honestly and broken and with sincerity. And God will forgive you. Friends, you and I have to make a choice. First and foremost, God, I'm going to obey you. And the Spirit of God, I pray that you will lead, guide, and direct me. Lord, help me not to quench the Spirit of God. That's how I start my day, every day. Lord, help me to obey you and honor you with my life and my mouth and my thoughts. But when I do sin, when I do struggle, even though I don't want to, even though I know I shouldn't, that I have to come to God and not blame it on anyone else. Right? When I shave my beard yesterday or friday and i made the mistake my first thought was i'm blaming this on my kids because they wanted to swim they were in their swimming trunks tony wanted me to swim and we got all dressed and everybody was in their swimming suits and the silly government wouldn't let them open their pool so we didn't even get to swim so i look like this for no purpose but i did not i didn't blame it on them jake you're you did it and then after i shaved i looked in the mirror and thought jake this wouldn't be so painful but you did this to yourself too I didn't blame it on my wife's cooking. I didn't blame it on the restaurant. I blamed it on me. Because why? It's my fault. But friends, that's a comical thing. But friends, how many times when I fall into sin do I blame it on someone else? Well, I, you know, I I would I I would be kind to them, but you just don't know how awful they are. And I know I should forgive my spouse, but you just don't know what they've done to me. I know I should be faithful and committed to the church, but Jake, we're just so busy. I know I should be humble and gentle and 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 kind and loving, but i'm I'm a stubborn and strong willed person. Think about these things. How many times do we make excuses for our sin when God says humility, repentance, and trust that God is working it all out? And so friends this morning, as I close, I want you to know. That God wants you to worship Him and love Him and serve Him regardless of the excuses. But God wants you to know that regardless of what happens, God is willing to forgive you or me if we'll come to Him honestly. And then we have to trust that even when our marriage is broken, when our kids are a mess, when church is hard, when life is difficult... That even if we're weeping, even if we're in a time of mourning, God cares for you. And God cares about you. And God has not abandoned you. And so today, I don't know what this looks like for you. Maybe you're sitting here thinking, Jake, you're my problem. Everything about you is my problem. Maybe you're sitting here thinking today, I'm not going to love my spouse. I don't care what you say, pastor. Maybe you're here today, kids, and you're saying, I'm not going to honor and obey my parents. I don't care what it says. Maybe today you're here and you're saying, Jake, I know the Bible says fear not, but I've got so much fear. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, Jake, I know the Bible says worry not, but I have to worry. Whatever God's word says, I want to challenge you to believe it, to trust God. And even when you stumble, just come to God honestly. So maybe today you need to come to God and say, Lord, I've, I've not been loving you. I've not been doing these things. And I, I just need forgiveness. Maybe today you just need to come and say, God, I'm in a mess and I want you to remind me and show me that you have a purpose and that you love me and that you care about me. Whatever it is today, maybe it's something totally different. But yet the spirit of God has spoken to you today. Trust him and what he's trying to do. And so as Jamie and Janice come, if you would stand and bow your heads with me as we pray before this time of invitation. Father, I come to you today, Lord, knowing that I have not done Justice to what you wanted or what you've said, Lord. And so I ask that you would forgive me for anything that I've said that I shouldn't have said, or, Lord, anything that I wasn't courageous enough to say that I should have. And so, Father, I pray that your Spirit would begin to work in people's hearts first and foremost for anyone here today, Lord, that doesn't know without a shadow of a doubt that they are saved. Lord, they've made excuses that they were baptized as a kid. They don't want other people to think that about them. Lord, that today that they know without a shadow of a doubt that if today was their last day, they would go to be with you. Give them the courage to step out and come and confess Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Father, I pray for us who who are struggling in our walks with you, Lord, whether it's Bible study, whether it's prayer, whether it's whatever it is, God, that you would help us to ask forgiveness And trust you to work out the results. And Father I pray for those people here today. That are hurting Lord. That are in a mess. That think that the situation is too far gone God. And that you would show them that restoration can happen. And God that you want to work in their lives. Father please. Don't let people think this was all critical about them. And Lord that everything is their fault. That's not the intent. But Lord that all of us need to evaluate our lives through the spirit of God and through your word. So Lord, I pray that you do great things today for your name and your name alone. And God, I ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Today, as you have been listening to this sermon, maybe you have been thinking the Holy Spirit's been working, that I'd like to know more about Jesus. I'm not sure if I've ever been saved. Please reach out and contact us. We would love to share the gospel with you. Pray with you with whatever's going on in your life. Or maybe you are a believer, but yet you've got some spiritual battles that you've just not been able to conquer. We'd love to join you in that battle. So please, reach out to us. We would love and are waiting to hear from you. May God richly bless you in Jesus' name.